Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have uh, PDFs available on our website, grove.church. Yeah, so go ahead and jump in and check that out. Uh, as usual, if you have any questions, we do like taking time. Uh, as much as we can to take to answer each of those questions that come in. Uh, so there's two ways to send us in those questions. The first is via email. You can just f- send an email to info at grove.church. Uh, again, that's info at grove.church, or you can direct message our Grove Church Facebook page. Uh, either way, here's what we're going to ask. Uh, we, we found out recently that some of you have been at sending in questions via email, and the, uh, the facilitator of those emails actually takes time to answer those emails and sends you back a reply before we get a chance to talk about it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little bit hurt by that. Makes me sad. Um, I'm, I'm selfish. I like to process through your questions. Um, so if you if you send in a question to infogrove.church or even the Facebook page, do me a favor, simply address it. Uh, let's read the Bible podcast question. Uh, and then we'll be, be able to get those and make sure that um, someone who won't be named Jennervig will steals our thunder. There you uh, go. And takes all of our questions. So anyways... Send those questions in. We'd love to take time every week as much as we can to answer those questions. Email infogrove.church or direct message our Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State. Send us a DM there. Uh, just address them. Let's read the Bible podcast question. That would be greatly helpful. Boom, there you go. Put that in the subject line and life will just be much better. So uh, we today we are talking about King David. We're doing a character David. study on the life of David, which it felt like we had done this before, but it's funny because when I thought about it, I was like, oh, we, we've definitely done this. And I looked through all the episodes like, no, we haven't. Okay. Yeah, I think so. the only, the closest one would have been when we talked about the different kings and the rankings of the kings. Right. Uh, we probably got into David's story a bit, um, but we're going to do a little bit more deep dive into David. Yep. So it'll be good. Uh, as far as resources we're using today, we have the ESV study Bible and the Zondervan illustrated Bible dictionary. So kind of our, Holla. those are standard go-tos. Yep. You guys know those already. One day, one day we'll get like book deals and stuff like that because of all the sources we use. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> all the, all I'm like just kidding. seven of them. Okay. So we're going to break up uh, David's life into a few sections here. We're going to go from essentially his early life all the way to his death. So we'll yep. do a pretty, I mean, comprehensive as much. That's the hope. As comprehensive as you can be in like a half hour, but we're going to try and actually <laughs> talk about it. So uh, the first thing. All right. So the first time we meet David is one of his more famous stories. Um, and it's funny how almost all of the famous stories of David are early in his life. And then the later ones are, are bad. They're less well-known and they're bad, <laughs> but yeah. we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, but the first time we meet David God informs Samuel that he has rejected Saul as king and commands him to go to Bethlehem and to meet with Jesse's sons. So in 1 Samuel 16, it says, uh, when they came, he looked, and so this is, sorry, uh, for a little bit of context, Samuel has gone, he's talked to Jesse, he says, all right, bring out your sons, God's asked me to, to meet them. And he lines them up, oldest to youngest, Yep, standing before Samuel. So when they came, he looked on Eliab, which is Jesse's oldest son, yep. and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his height or on his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. You, you know, these are the brothers that didn't make it because also their names didn't make it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can always tell the famous biblical characters because you can you know the names. Uh, passed by. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all of your sons here? 
And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get uh, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And then he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and he had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn uh, took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So kind of a cool de- deal there where you yeah. see... Uh, Immediately after being anointed king, it says the spirit of the Lord comes upon David and never mm-hmm. leaves from that day forward, which is a cool, which is a cool deal. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Well, and it's interesting too, because I mean, it shows the value that Jesse put on his older sons and the youngest. I mean, it shows that what the hierarchy um, of family systems and dynamics back in David's day, earlier days, back in the ancient times, really, um, the, the son, the the youngest son was never to, to uh, receive the blessing or favor above right. any of the older siblings, uh, sons. So the fact that he was out, and then the other thing too is like the pomp and circumstance of like he's present, they're being presented before Samuel. It wasn't just like, hey, they're showing up out from the field. Like they had to get cleaned up and they had to be presentable before the same, before the prophet, the Samuel. Um, and so David, when he's like, yeah, but he's tending sheep, it's like, he's not presentable. He's not, he's not available and ready uh, to meet you or to be even considered. Right. Um, and so that was part of Jesse's stance too. It wasn't just Jesse's like, hey, he doesn't matter, but it was this, this presentation side of things too. It is also interesting because I think so often when we, talk about the story, we make it out to be like, David's like, just kind of like not a good looking dude. You know what I mean? Oh, but no, it's like, he was a great looking dude. Yeah. Man. If they look at him, I was like, boy, he's handsome. And he has beautiful, beautiful eyes. eyes. Look wow. at that, David. Hello, uh, sir. So we can kind of assume that he might not have been as tall in stature as his other brothers, but even though we don't know for sure, because yeah, it, it, I think a lot of times the way we tell the story is like, Jesse's thinking to himself like, oh, David's like the scrawny one. So obviously he's not going to be king when probably more realistically, it's like, well, David's the youngest. So I'm going to go have him do this thing while the older brothers come out. Yeah. So. It had more to do with position in the family line and the hierarchy of the ancient times. But it's interesting because this will also, uh, it foreshadows a little bit of what happens when David chooses the king who will succeed him, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but it's also not necessarily the uh, the sons that you would think it would be. So right. who? Stay tuned. for later. Uh, so right off the bat, we see a major contrast between these early two kings. Uh, Saul looked the part. Uh, he, you know, he's big. We talked. We kind of talked about it a little bit. Head and shoulders he's above head, the rest. Head of stature, and we don't know a ton about um, David. But again, you can kind of just infer from the story that he might not as bet. He he probably wasn't the most physically assuming guy. Although yeah. he was handsome and had beautiful eyes. Yeah. So. Well, and I think you see also. Uh, Samuel's perspective on who Saul was as compared to Eliab. Like Eliab was um, strong. He was capable. And this, like Samuel said, yeah, this is, this is the one. Um, and then God's like, nope, his appearance, his height, his stature, they don't matter. It's just like, it's inside. It's the heart that matters. Right. And so you see this, almost this comparison of Saul and Eliab based upon, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the stature of what was to be expected in a king. Right. Um, and remember, Israel Israel had rejected God and wanted a king like the other nations. So part of it was Saul, who was head and shoulders above the rest, who had the stature, who had the, the look of it. Um, Eliab was thought to be the same thing, but uh, God was doing something different. So, so yeah. So David is anointed king. This is also very much a secret. So, because Saul would kill him. Yeah. So, pretty much. Uh, as we see, as we see a little bit later as, on in the line. Yeah, as life. happens. 
Uh, but the first time, it's interesting because the fir- a lot of times we also think of the first time of David and Saul meeting as when he slays Goliath. But really, it's when Saul is tormented by a spirit, mm-hmm. uh, a harmful spirit. I'm not going to say evil because the spirit is from the Lord yeah. uh, who is tormenting him. Uh, but it's eased when David plays the lyre, so which is like a little harp. Yeah, a little so, baby harp. Little, I don't know if it's a little baby harp, but... Yeah, not as not as big as the massive harps that we see today. <laughs> not the one that rests on your shoulders. But speaking of Goliath, this is easily the most famous of David's stories. So this sure. happens after this. Uh, but in the most famous story of David's life, he volunteers to be the champion of Israel and fight the giant Goliath. Um, so Israel is at war with the Philistines. This is going to be all throughout David's life. Uh, yep. He's going to be at war with the Philistines at one point or another. Uh, there's interesting points where he's not, but uh, for the most part, during the reigns of Saul and David, the Philistines are like yep. the major enemy of Israel. These are the rivals. And so, and this was actually a thing that could happen back then is instead of saying, hey, let's have our massive armies just fight and have a ton and destroy of destroy each other. Yeah. It's just like, hey, let's both appoint champions. Whoever wins, they win. It's yep. awesome. So the Philistines say this and they have Goliath, who is a literal giant. He's huge. <laughs> and so, um, and he also has big giant brothers, which we hear about like in passing, which is, it's always, mm-hmm. it's always one of those funny things. I think with the history books of the Bible that they take like the really cool parts and they're just like, oh, and then there's like four or five other giants and Abishai killed a bunch of them. And then that's like, it. Wait a minute. Like, there's more, there more. Hold the phone. Now, when we say giant, we don't mean like Jack and the Beanstalk kind of thing. No. Like, we think these massive individuals, like, like some, even what, um, Greek mythology were like Cyclops were massive. Uh, but there were nine, I think his, I think Goliath was nine, nine and a half feet tall, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was, I mean, he was a behemoth. And we see some basketball players seven feet, which is like, dang, but like nine and a half feet tall. And he was not skinny or scrawny. Yeah. This um, is, this he's is a, a beast. This is a buffed out Yao Ming. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> buffed out Yao Ming. Uh, but no it, offense, Yao, if you're listening. So anyway, uh, and then David also gives one heck of a speech on, mm-hmm. on his way to do it, which I love. But in First Samuel 17... It says, and Saul said to David, this is after David has said, I will be the champion of Israel, basically. Uh, And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you were but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul took to David and said, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Like, I love that that's just, his reply is like, yeah, all right, (laughs) you do it. But the... The incredible faith of David here is really on display mm-hmm. where he says, I've I've dealt with this before. Like I've had to fight lions. I've had to fight bears. God's been with me then. He's going to be with me with this Philistine. And he basically views Goliath as just a beast, yeah. right? Like there's no, um, there's no idea that like, well, this is different because he's a man and he's, you know, he's smarter and he's got weapons and armor and all this different stuff. He's like, no, God's delivered me before. I shouldn't be able to fight a bear, but I have. Shouldn't be able to fight a lion, but I have. I'll be able to fight this oh, guy. Yeah. So, and this is the crazy thing, like in this dynamic, even like, I remember thinking years and years ago, like, man, where was the champion for the Israelites? That should have been Saul. Like in this, in this moment, there was no one in all, and I'm not saying Goliath was the Phil, was the Philistine king. The Philistine king had Goliath, but right. like the Israelites didn't have a champion because two things, one, it should have been God, but the Israelites rejected God and wanted a king. 
So then that, that mantle fell on the king. So Saul, who was hiding in his tent, um, obviously I think it's more, I'm taking some liberty in what I'm assuming is happening, that Saul should have been the guy that said, you know what, okay, I'll go fight him. Because at the end of the day, the, the, whoever lost that battle between the champions, the other, the, the other, what, the other country, whatever, is supposed to submit and serve the, the champion's winner. Right. And so that's the tension is like when Saul is having this conversation, who's going to rise up? No one is. Everyone's waiting for someone else. They, the, the David, when he comes up on the scene, he's seeing this like fear happening. They'd line up every day. Goliath would come out and yell and, and slander and deface and curse the Israelite people, and no one did anything. And so that was when David shows like, wait a minute, this isn't right. This, this, we're, God is the, the one who fights for us. Uh, and so that's, that's part of like the powerful picture here when David goes to Saul. Saul's like, oh, you want to do it? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Like right. the Lord be with you. Like you convinced me. Um, and and it's not to say like he didn't have, but he didn't have the faith or the 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 fortitude to do it. Like, and so that's where David I think comes in, and that's the picture right. we have of David in that too. Well, and the Bible makes very clear that at this point the spirit of God had left Saul. Yeah, um, and that's because of what Saul had done. It's not like yeah. God just decided randomly, mm-hmm. but. Uh, yeah, David is clearly kind of getting marked up to be the man. So yeah. we all know the story. David defeats Goliath. Yep, kills Goliath. Spoiler, sling, just kidding. Cuts off his head. Does the whole thing. Pretty sweet. Um, and then afterward, this is when David just becomes just a hero. Yep. And 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 super famous, right? And there's a song that I love where it says Saul has killed his thousands, but David, David is ten thousands. There's tens of thousands because you know. Yep. Saul's old news. And that's almost point. like the straw that broke the camel's back for Saul, if I remember the timeline of events correctly. But yes. It was that one of those, like shortly after that moment is when Saul shifted away from accepting David, not as king, but just accepting who David is as the the reliever of his tormenting spirit. Yeah, Saul. As a servant in his court. Um, Saul gets very jealous of David. Mm-hmm. There's a situation, he even like throws a spear at him one time. Yep. And it's just like, but I think he tries to kill him like four times. And Absolutely. Then, and then finally. And Jonathan, David's best friend and yep. Saul's son, didn't believe him. <laughs> that's the crazy thing. Jonathan didn't believe that Saul was trying to kill David. Well, that's a hard thing to believe about your father. It's, it might be fair, but it's just funny. Like, so anyways. But yeah, and eventually David would flee um, after the final time. Jonathan, hit, mm-hmm. who is at, but David's best friend, basically. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan warns him that of what his father is trying to do. That a very close brotherly love. Like there was a yeah. very deep-seated soul-level connection and camaraderie between the two. And then David would leave. I think he goes to Gath, which is in the land of the Philistines, which is Philistia, I think that's what we can call it, which is kind of interesting. But he, he kind of goes back and forth a little mm-hmm. bit. So he hides in Israel. He hides in, uh, in the yeah, land of the Philistines. he's running from Saul. Yeah, but then we'll, we'll see what happens here. So this next section is called David in Exile. Uh, he would continue to be on the run from Saul for quite some time. And it's here that his mighty men begin to join, which you've ever heard of like David's mighty men. They're just the coolest. Yeah. So Benaniah. Benaniah is awesome. Uh, you've Abishai. got the three sons of Zeruiah, which uh-huh. are Joab, Abishai, and Asael, which are like... Jo- all... Joab is like David's right-hand man when David's king too. Right. But Joab is the most famous one, but then his brothers, Abishai kills giants and then Asael like runs side by side with a chariot. And Joab is the most well-known one because yeah. he's like the general and stuff. But it's interesting. Yeah. Benaiah is really cool. In the pit with a lion on a snowy day. Um, Uriah the Hittite, who is uh, also yeah. one of the mighty men. So we'll, we'll hear about him later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, these are kind of like, yeah, these are just like the heroes of Israel. Yeah, these these are men. It's cool <laughs> These stuff. are men's men. But anyway, they're, they're starting to join him here. Uh, and then David would also show really his incredible integrity and character here. So Saul is hunting David at this point, And then um, 
he is hiding out in a cave and he sees that the army of Israel, or at least Saul's, you know, small army that he has looking for David is out there. And so it says, and so David and Abishai, speaking of Abishai, uh, went to the army by night and there lay Saul sleeping with the encampment with his spear stuck in the ground at his head and Abner and the army lay around him. Abner was the general of the army under Saul. Then Abishai said to David, God has given your enemy into your hand this day. Now, please let me pin him to the earth with one stroke of the spear and I will not strike him twice, which is a great line. (laughs) Basically, like he's going to be dead the first time, David. Don't worry. It's not going to take two hits. Uh, But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him for who can put out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. And David said, as the Lord lives, the Lord will strike him or his day will come to die or he will go down into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. So David took the spear and uh, and the jar of water from Saul's head and they went away. No man saw it or knew it, nor did any awake for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. So almost feels like a test. Like at the end was like the deep sleep. Like it's almost a test. Like I feel like God, uh, presented David with just to reveal the depth of David's character. Yeah, no, it's true. And I love that David points out that um, it's not my place to decide when I become king. Mm-hmm. It's God's place. And he trusts God that he that it's going to happen whenever it happens. And, and yeah. eventually one of the things he says does happen. Called Saul goes into battle and dies. Is, yeah. is, and unfortunately, Jonathan, his son, dies with him too. But um, after this happens, so after, after the situation where we just read, David full-on goes to live in the land of the Philistines until Saul dies. And at that point, he kind of becomes a vassal king. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. So the, the Philistines kind of recognize him as the king. Uh, Saul and Jonathan would die. And then there's this weird three-part power struggle that kind of happens between the Philistines, David, and then one of Saul's surviving sons named uh, Ish-bosheth. Again, characters that didn't make it into the modern <laughs> parlance. Um, so David, so David would go into, I think it's Hebron, and then he would take control of a lot of Southern Israel. And then the Philistines would take control of Northern and Eastern Israel. So for a long time, the Philistines actually ruled over the majority of the kingdom. And then Ishbosheth is kind of just doing his thing and Abner's with him. So um, eventually David's forces would win out and all of Israel would come under his kingship. Mm-hmm. And then it's at this point, the Philistines are kind of like, wait a second, like you're not being a real vassal king type of guy. And David's like, trick to you. And then, <laughs> yeah. so, Suckers. Uh, but from that point on, basically David's main enemy is the Philistines yep. and they're really, they're really mad about it. And they, uh, Cause they got swindled. Yep. There's constant wars going it's this, on. It's this great. Is this the moment I'm forgetting? I don't know why, but when David acts like he's crazy, to first gain favor. Is that the same place or is that after David? I don't remember. Do I don't honest. remember either. Okay. Just kidding. Shoot. Just delete that. Forget about it. Chick, chick, delete. Um, so anyways, David would also, and this is, this is, I think is kind of interesting. He would conquer the Jebusite city of Jerusalem and he would make it the capital. Uh, this is the first time really that Jerusalem's important. So it's and, true. And Very it, true. It would be like this stronghold that David takes and he thinks this is going to be a great capital. Um, and then from that point on, it's the most important city in Judaism. So, and I mean, and I guess you could say like city-wise Christianity as well, mm-hmm. like maybe Bethlehem, but yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, David would spend the next few years expanding Israel's borders. So when he first becomes king, 
a lot of war, um, and he's, he's pushing outward. So there, he has a small kingdom that he kind of takes. If you look in a lot of Bibles, we'll have maps of this. So you can kind of see the kingdom under David, and it'll have like a dotted line of the land that he conquers after he becomes king. But yeah, he's, he's taking land from the Philistines and also from the nations to the east. Um, and he would also begin his plans to build a permanent temple to Yahweh. So before this, the Ark of the Covenant, which is kind of like the the symbol of God's presence or is where God's mm-hmm. presence dwelt, would be in either the tabernacle or it would just be kind of around. So um, I forgot the guy's name, but there's a guy who has it in his home for a long time. He's very blessed. The Philistines take it for a while um, and then idols fall down. So all this happens. If you remember uh, when we talked about Samuel, the Ark being taken is what leads Eli to fall off of his, uh, basically to die uh, because of the shock of the moment. So yeah. Ark's been around. David's like, Yahweh deserves a temple. We should make him a temple. That's where the Ark should live forever. And then the prophet Nathan, who uh, oftentimes kind of harshes David's mellow in a good way, uh, but <laughs> uh, but often when David starts to get carried away, Nathan's the one to kind of pull him back yeah, in. Yeah, he reigns him in a bit. Yep. Uh, and Nathan tells him, nope, that's not for you. Uh, the Lord has said that it will be your son who builds the temple. So a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Bummer for what's to come. Bummer for David. Uh, yeah, and it's hard because he had the vision, he had the dream, he had the desire, and Nathan's like, nope. And part of it is, you know, I'm reading through the Vicars right now, so I'm recognizing and learning more to understand more about this holiness factor within God's temple, his tabernacle, uh, his relationship with God's people, and and the reality is like all of the bloodshed David is walking through and will continue to walk through his making him unclean and unfit to establish a holy place for the, the Ark of the Covenant to be. So it wasn't even the fact that God is saying, hey, David, your your, your dreams and vision isn't good enough. I, I think God never really wanted a place to dwell forever because he created us and we are the temple. Like Paul tells where the temple of the Holy Spirit. Anyways, part of the, the tension here is whenever you touch something dead or that's unclean, you then therefore were unclean and could not be in God's presence. So with David, he's the one that is ushering the, the kingdom uh, of Jerusalem. He's bringing in God's city and God's uh, people together, but he's doing that through, you know, removing those other peoples like that. You know, we see this picture in the promised land where Joshua is, is tasked to bring the people into the promised land and take care of people and remove them and kill them off or whatever. And so David is the one who's fighting the Philistines and bringing peace to the, to the people and the, and the body of, you know, not body of Christ, sorry, the family of God, God's people. And so he's not clean. He's not fit to be able to establish a holy place for God's presence to reside. That's why when the, the conversation, when I say foreshadowing, it, it alludes to the, the coming king who then will execute and do what David had dreamed of. But David was not clean because of all the war yeah. that he was leading. So that's a great point. It's, well, and we'll talk about that when it gets, we talk about the legacy of David at the very end, but it, it does kind of lead to, it gives you the first hints of it's not going to be all pretty yeah, for sure. Um, and so David's rule would mark the beginning of Israel's golden age. So wealth is beginning to roll in um, and eventually his, I mean, Solomon is going to be kind of like the the apex of yeah. Israel, uh, but David certainly- yeah, And we talked about that in the in the episode on ranking kings and- Well, we did, and we did a Solomon retrospective. I was going to say, and then we did a Solomon yep. conversation too. So, and then there's also this important point where people are really worshiping Yahweh in earnest, yeah. um, which is one of the marks of, when you go through the books of Kings and Chronicles, the mark of a good king is basically, are they leading people back to relationship with God? So David is certainly doing that. All right. And David is only the second king in Israelite history. Correct. Well, I mean, like, yeah, but I'm saying so like- Saul was a, for, Saul was a chump. No, I'm it's, just kidding. It's, 
It's true. All yeah. right. So now let's get to the not fun section. David's, <laughs> David's golden years. His later rule. Um, it would be marked by really just a series of failures. So yeah, unfortunately. Um, so first off, uh, he kills several innocent descendants of Saul uh, to basically hold on to his claim to the throne. Notably, he spares Mephibosheth, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the... Like, well, and these individuals were conspiring against him too. That was part of it. Right. Um, but well, some of them he are, still killed them off. Some of them are innocent though. Um, he's just kind of holding on to his power. So but okay. now we're making awkward eye contact. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I, dude, I haven't read the story in a while, so... Anyway, move, I, can't, I can't speak intelligently to it, so I trust you and I trust your word. But uh, yeah, so moving moving forward, and this is the famous one. Uh, he commits adultery with Bathsheba and has what an idiot. Yeah, so to and, to and give then has you, her husband killed. Yeah, so to give you an idea, it's his armies are at war. His mighty men are at war. It's Uriah, isn't it? Yep, he's at Uriah the Hittite. One of his one of his mighty men. One of his one of his guys. Yeah, one of um, his, one of his people. And so David is back in Jerusalem. He sees this lady who's bathing and he's like, wow, she's really pretty. I want her. Yep. And so he goes, uh, seduces her. They uh, are together. They She gets pregnant. He tries to cover this up and he's like, oh crap. So he Bring has, Uriah back. Yep, Let him so go he, sleep with his wife. Yep. So he brings Uriah back literally to just like, hey, go hang out with your wife for like a week and then wink, wink, and then go back to the army so that he can say, it's like, oh, Uriah, it's your kid. Um, but Uriah is so loyal to um, his his brothers in arms that he he refuses to go into his home because he yeah. says it's not fair that I should get to go home and enjoy being home while everyone else is fighting. So he literally sleeps on his own doorstep um, yep. to cover it up. And so David, after seeing that, writes a letter to Joab, who is the general, and seals it, and seals it, and gives it to Uriah. Yep. To and, t- and the and the letter. Yep. And the letter is basically saying, "Hey, send Uriah into the part where it's most dangerous." Um, and then retreat, retreat everyone except Uriah, and then he's going to die. And that's what happens. So Uriah charges in. Um, there's a great meme where it's the scene from Return of the King where Aragorn says like for Frodo and then charges off by himself, like basically saying that's what happened to Uriah the Hittite um, <laughs> for King David. <laughs> I've never in. seen it. Oh, really? Oh, it's a good time. Uh, but anyway, so that's, that's what happens. And then Nathan, as you should. Uh, completely calls David out on this. And this is where you get the Psalm. The, 51. 51. Yeah, the famous Psalm. Penitent where, Psalm. Yep. And David, to his credit, uh, repents. And is, he, mm-hmm. he, is immediately repentant. He thinks uh, he got away with it. Yeah. He continues on his life. And then he's, then Samuel calls him out with a, with a, what a parable at that point. Um, but it's also important to say too, like, I think sometimes it's easy for me to take for granted what the information inside I already know but this is like springtime when all of the kings go out to battle. Most times there's not war happening in the winter because the month is, is not easy. And Who wants to fight in winter? It's more detrimental to the, even your kingdoms if you fight during the winter. But David, spring shows around, then there's still war to be had. There's still territory to defend. There, David doesn't go. Typically the king is supposed to go with his army. David decides to hold back because ah, I can trust my people to handle it. And that's what leads him to this, this moment. He didn't continue in his responsibility as a king to be with his armies to make sure that they're there. He's there. Like that was part of what his responsibility was. And so he didn't do it. Yeah. Um, so there is that, like that, that issue of complacency or whatever was going on in his head to think like, Oh, you know, I could take, a, I can take a few weeks off or, you know, I just need a little bit of downtime before, like, I don't know what it was, but that was what happened is Kings go to war. David didn't go to war, led to this Bathsheba incident. He thought he got away with it. And Samuel shows him up, says, Nope, you didn't. Yep. <laughs> and he falls on his face and says, I've sinned against the Lord. So, and then moving forward, 
Another one of David's really unfortunate legacies is, uh, boy, his sons are just the worst. Yes. And so, oh my gosh, man! Like, even the best son, who is Solomon, is not like no, he's, he's not, not. He's great. not a perfect man. Like he, not a perfect man. He's also like responsible for the downfall of the kingdom. Yep. But anyway, so we'll get we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, so David would prove unable to control and discipline his sons. So Amnon is one of his sons. Uh, Amnon would uh, rape his half sister. Um, not cool. And then Absalom, who's another one of David's sons, would kill him for that. So yep. now you've got two sons who are one's committed murder and the other one uh, has committed rape. So terrible sins that are happening there. Like ancestral rape. Like also ancestral. So yeah. Bad. So if, yeah, if, if it wasn't bad enough. Uh, and then Absalom would eventually revolt and start a civil war. Uh, he would be killed by David's general, Joab. And After so- After getting hung in a tree because his hair was so long. Yeah, what a vain guy. Which is funny because you can kind of, you see a little bit, I suppose, of like, you know, maybe Absalom had some beautiful eyes, but he, he, had, he inherited David's looks, that's for sure. Uh, he was very vain about his hair and ultimately that would be his downfall. Uh, David would spend most of the rest of his reign fighting the Philistines and then he would take a military census basically due to his pride. So he's very proud of the armies that he's built up mm -hmm. and Nathan rebukes him for this as well. Uh, well, God rebukes him through Nathan basically saying like, hey, like you're, this is going to your head. Um, and then at the end of his life, David would name Solomon his heir, heir by God's will. Which is the son from Bathsheba. Yeah, which is also is an interesting point. Um, and then his oldest son, Adonijah, would attempt to undermine Solomon. And then eventually after David dies, Solomon would have him executed as well. So you've got David's sons just being a little... Dysfunction. Yeah. And then Solomon, it's interesting because sometimes we have a really positive view of Solomon. Do where... you think Solomon was the youngest? No. Um, no, I think there would, there would have been other sons born. I, just, I was just thinking about if Solomon was like the last son of David... Oh, how it and then to... it would have connected to his his reigning legacy as well as he was the youngest of Jesse's sons. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. I don't know. Um, but anyway, anyway it's with, a moot point. Yeah, with with all of that being said, like Solomon would, he has incredible wisdom. Uh, he builds the temple. He's unquestionably he is the king during Israel's peace golden age. Um, but he leads them away from God, yeah. and he has like I think it's three hundred wives and six hundred concubines, yeah. and he leads like them that. away from God because he allows space to for some of his wives to worship other gods right it wasn't this like hey we're not going to worship god anymore we're going to work like he allowed space for these other wives i think there was what a an alliance with egypt yeah um but like he didn't he didn't say hey we're like we're, we worship the only like he allowed space for that and i think in mm -hmm. all of his wisdom like what knowledge puffs up but love builds up this like the scripture but it's that tension that exists there that he allowed space for that. Well, and Solomon, Solomon really is one of the most fascinating characters in the Bible because he his highs are so high and his lows are so low. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, he um, for sure contributed to four out of the five wisdom books. And there's mm -hmm. even some theories that he wrote Job as well. Um, hmm. So like it could have been all five of this massive swath of, um, of biblical knowledge that we have. But also he's responsible for the kingdom of Israel dividing and, yeah. the, and the downfall of the just, kingdom. Yeah, which it's, is tragic. Yeah, it's interesting. Read Ecclesiastes. You can see how he feels about it at the end. Uh, but anyways, we're not talking about Solomon today. We're talking about <laughs> David. Uh, so David's final words are recorded for us, which is interesting. Uh, so it says this in 2 Samuel 23, verses 1 through 7. Now, these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed 
of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And this is where the uh, the words begin. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not for he will not cause to prosper all of my help and my desire. But worthless men like all thorns are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed by fire. So it's interesting because in that moment, he points forward to his to the messianic prophecy that the Messiah would eventually come through David's line when he says, um, for he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. So there you go. Those are the last words of David. Hmm. Um, as far as legacy goes, David's complicated. Most of the biblical yeah, characters sure. are very complicated. It's very rare that you see because you don't see um, you don't see perfect people. Like the yeah. people who I think we think the highest of are also the people we know the least about. Because I'm sure I'm sure Othniel had some problems as far as like the judges go. <laughs> yeah. But he just has a paragraph and yeah, all right. he hears awesome stuff. So it's like, all right, well, Othniel is awesome. Yeah. Um, but with David, I think he's unquestionably the greatest king in Israel. And we know that oftentimes David is referred to as a man after God's yeah. own heart. And this even is said of him after um, all of his failures. Mm-hmm. And I think the the important thing that separates David from so many of the evil kings is that when he sins and he's called out on it, he repents. Yeah. He admits it, he repents, um, and he... He, he turn he turns it around from there. Now he sins in other ways, but you kind of see you you also kind of see it where he um, the the stuff that happened doesn't really necessarily keep happening. Yeah. Well, and he generally he generally wants to honor God. He generally loves right. God. He, there, there's sincerity and gen and genuineness in his understanding of who God is and understanding of of his you know frailness, if you will, his his finiteness. Um, and and so you see that when when God a man after God's own heart, like there is this desire. And everything he does to honor God, and you see this dysfunction that exists in his life and in right. his legacy among his family, among his sons, and things like that. And so it is an absolutely complicated reality. And I think that's the beauty too. When when the prophetic word of like another another branch will come from Jesse's family, it's this picture alluding to Christ and this redemptive power of of Jesus and and his lineage, which goes back to David and then some, but. Uh, it definitely is a complicated thing. It definitely is hard to to see some of the the end of his life and be like, David, what were you thinking, man? Like, where did you wander? But right. Well, and I think I think it comes back to the very first thing that God says about David, which is that man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. From an outward, from us looking at David, um, like I wouldn't let him babysit my kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's it's, awesome. It's one of those things, but. David is considered by God the, mm-hmm. the greatest king in the history of Israel. All of the other kings are judged on this scale of basically did they measure up to David? Yeah. And I think it's powerful because what you what earns David his spot there is not anything that he did necessarily. I mean, he did great things, but it's his genuine love for yeah. Yahweh, his genuine love for God. And the fact that um when when he sins 
it grieves, and he even says it in the Psalms against you and you alone have I sinned. Yeah. And the, the whole idea here is that he had such a relationship with God that it grieved him, the idea of sinning against God. Yeah. And I think, yeah, his his legacy really is one that should bring comfort to us as well. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like, he's all, it's a, little, a Peter a little bit, I think kind of echoes a lot of what David is, where- He's the Old Testament Peter. Yeah, char- <laughs> like charismatic, um, loves the Lord, screws up a lot, but God looks at the heart and sees yeah. that there's a genuine affection for it, a genuine love that he has there. And I think that's what all of us can hope for is yeah. like, man, we screw up. Um, but can God look at us and and say like, I know they love me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like the, that's the big thing with David. And that's such a challenging filter for, for us. If, even for me as I'm processing and thinking through, man, like God, you look at my heart. At the end of the day, is my heart genuinely and sincerely for you? Right. Because it's easy to sit here and say, man, yeah, at least I'm not doing the things David did. Or, you know, yeah, I'm good. My heart is really- At least I didn't commit adultery and have someone killed. <laughs> yeah, right. But David never validated or justified his walk with Jesus, so to speak, to use the layman's terms today, like to bring it into today's context. He never justified his stance with God he always recognized his need. That that's the heart issue. Like that's the heart compelling nature of who David is. So uh, yeah. that's that's a really good challenge for us today. I think just processing: Do I is my heart really for God, genuinely and sincerely, or am I good with where I'm at because of what I've done for God? Yep. There you go. Well, with that being said, I think that's a great place to wrap it up for this week. Our discussion on King David, yeah. his legacy, Hope you enjoyed and it. his life. Hope you liked it. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you didn't hear us at the beginning, but send in your questions and email. Make sure you say um, that it's a let's read the Bible question. If you asked a question and we didn't answer it, uh, it's because we didn't see it. So yeah. send it send Hopefully it in. Hopefully you got your question answered, but we didn't get to process it on the show. So yep. maybe next time. And we'll, 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 go, we'll come back through and take a couple of those as well. I'm just kind of answer them on the show as well, because I think they'll be fun. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So if this, is, uh, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, uh, please consider... Uh, supporting the Grove Church financially. If you'd like to, you can go to our website, grove.church, and click on the Give button. We are also a podcast of the Grove Church, but we're not the only resource of the Grove Church. Um, If you go to our website and click on Media, we have past messages that you can take a listen to. We have our Life and Limb blog, which you can read uh, some of the thoughts of a a bunch of our staff members and uh, other things. All of our other podcasts from the last several years. Yeah, there you go. Go So our archive, it's it's a good time. People like it, I think. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. See you all, not see, but, you know, in our hearts. We'll see you all next week. (laughs) Have a great day, guys. Bye.